doesn't matter how many miles you have on the old life odometer, we all need some work. We all need some restoration. That's what we want, actually. We all want to bang out the dents. We want to swap out the broken parts. And we want to take out the rust, bring in some new, some shiny. So welcome. My name is Steve. Welcome to uh, a new message series we're calling Brand New You. And starting with the message today and then uh, over the next month or so, uh, we're going to study some principles that have life-changing potential. And in fact, uh, you could really see yourself fixed up so that your best miles are just ahead in your life. Well, our first topic in uh, our brand new You series is worry. Uh, we all have worries, and our worries rob us of peace and joy in life. I have worries, uh, and I know what they are. I'm wondering what other people worry about. And uh, I, I was asking that question about, what, I wonder what other people worry about. And so this week we went to uh, Post Road uh, in Fairfield, Fairfield Center, and we interviewed people on the street about their worries. And this is what they said. I think the thing that worries me most right now is, uh, is trying to make sure I'm going to have enough to take care of myself. My biggest worry is definitely death. That's a very good question. <laughs> I think my biggest worry is that my, my parents will be okay and be able to retire. Yeah, mostly just won't worry about money and make sure that I ha have enough saved and enough, you know, to get by. And Doing things to create more financial security for myself. I'm 35 and I'm single. And I think probably one of my greatest worries um, at this moment is, I'm sure it's like this for a lot of women that have had pretty heavy careers at some point in their lives, not going to meet that person. And so I worry a lot about that. Yes, I do worry about things. You know, how many ads are there on TV about retirement? Right? Yeah, I cope with it, but I try not to think about it. Um, I meditate a lot. I'm more alert. People always tell me I look down when I walk, so I look up. Even though there are times I'll panic, but leave it up to really the universe sometimes and, and God and try to make my mind kind of calm down when we start going down that path of really a lot of worry. If I see a shadow, I kind of look behind me, or if I feel so dangerous, I'll take another route. Pretty much it all are trying to, like, make enough money. We're trying to send the kids to good schools. We're trying to serve each other, we're trying to be loved, we're trying to get love. I mean, we're all trying to do the same. I love this town. Great people in this town. And uh, don't you love the openness, the honesty? And I find it interesting that they all immediately admit that they worry. And I also find it interesting that uh, they worry about the same things that Jesus talked about in the Bible. So let's see what Jesus has to say about how to win over worry. And if you want to follow along in your Bible or on your device, uh, this is the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, beginning with verse 25, where Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. 
They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? What shall we drink? For unbelievers run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So in these words, Jesus gives me everything I need to win over worry and experience a brand new life of peace and joy. So in these words, Jesus gives me some practical points for overcoming worry. And as we go along, we'll draw out some of those practical points. But notice that Jesus' strategy for victory over worry is not memorizing eight techniques for a worry-free life. No. Jesus' strategy for Winning over worry is adopting a new way of thinking about life. Jesus' strategy for a brand new you is a brand new worldview. So let's study the three elements of Jesus' worldview. The worldview that Jesus teaches here in Matthew chapter 6. A worldview that when it's applied will lead to a brand new you. First, Jesus teaches the worldview that life is good. Don't you just love Jesus' life-affirming attitude in these words? When Jesus looks around, he sees carefree birds. He sees radiant flowers. He sees glorious grasslands. Jesus sees what we often miss. He sees everywhere the generosity and the goodness of God. Now, of course, keep in mind who Jesus is. Jesus, uh, the Bible teaches, is God in the flesh, uh, the Son of God. And therefore, He was part of the creation act. And uh, it's not surprising then that He then says the same thing that it was said in uh, the first page in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, where after creation, God says, This is good. Life is good. And this life is good truth uh, is what Jesus has in mind when he says, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? You know, in the original language of the, the gospel, the word more means better. Or if it was proper English, I think Jesus would have said gooder. Uh, because Jesus is saying foods are good, clothes are good, but life is gooder. Life is gooder than all the stuff that we're tempted to go after or the money that would get us that stuff. Everyday life is infinitely gooder than the stuff you worry about. And, Jesus says, life is too good to ruin with worry. So Jesus' worldview says that life is good, but that worry strangles the life 
out of life. You see, you know, many of us consider uh, worry a little bad habit, a little bad habit that we have. But, you know, there's nothing little about the damage that worry does to us. Worry damages my mental health by contributing to uh, anxiety and stress and depression. Uh, Worry damages my physical health by contributing to heart disease and premature uh, aging. Worry damages my relationships by creating a negative uh, feedback loop that actually makes me more harder to uh, live with. Worry is not a little, little uh, damage. It's not a little problem. It does a lot of damage. And you may be saying, well, thanks a lot. Now I'm worrying about my worrying. Thanks. But I haven't even told you yet the worst part about worry. Uh, The worst thing about worry is that it lets a future that will probably never happen ruin the best day of my life, which is today. You know, by emphasizing this life is good truth, Jesus is teaching me to make every day the best day. The best day of my life by exercising a habit of gratitude, which is the first practical tip for winning over worry. Exercise a habit of gratitude. Scientific research uh, shows that exercising gratitude as a habit is probably the most important secret to beating worry in life. Uh, UC Davis psychologist uh, Robert Emmons led a 10-week study of a large group of people he separated into three subgroups. Uh, The first subgroup uh, was told to keep an event journal where they just wrote down five things that happened over the course of a week. The second subgroup was told to keep a worry journal where they were told to write down five bad things that happened or five things that were causing them uh, to be worried over the past week. And then the third subgroup was asked to keep a gratitude journal where they were to write at uh, uh, at one point of the week five things for which they were grateful for over the course of seven days. And over ten weeks, the researchers then uh, went back to these uh, subgroups and using scientific metrics, they calculated uh, the level of well-being of all the participants. And uh, by the end, the research showed that the uh, general events uh, journaling people who just wrote down some events, they had no change in their well-being. People who wrote down uh, five worries over the course of the week, they went down significantly in their reported well-being. But then the gratitude journaling people went way up in their level of, uh, of well-being in life and their experience of less worry in their lives. In fact, the, uh, uh, the results were so dramatic uh, that it, the study was doubted. Uh, because the uh, the study actually demonstrated that those who uh, did the gratitude journaling actually had a 25% increase in happiness and decrease in worry. And this uh, result was so extreme that people doubted it and they actually conducted uh, more studies, more researchers did it, and it was confirmed over and over again. And this is an experiment that you can do yourself. Uh, start keeping a gratitude journal where uh, once a week you write down at least five things for which you are grateful. You know, maybe you'll say, uh, I'll start to keep that habit on Sunday. And so on Sunday, uh, uh, you'll write down, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for the forest beauty 
on my afternoon walk. I'm thankful for my church and its amazingly humble pastor. And, uh, and you write down, I'm thankful that my children live nearby. I'm thankful that my mother-in-law lives far away. You get the idea that you just write down different things. Try it. Try it. Um, you know, but whether you write anything down or not, Jesus says that the only way that you're going to be able to win over worry is if you choose the gratitude journaling lifestyle and not the worry journaling lifestyle. The brand new you starts when you choose to be thankful for what you have instead of being worried about what's not complete yet or what you don't have yet. So first, life is good. The second element to Jesus' worldview is that life is short. The second worldview element appears in this uh, probing question from Jesus. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? In this, in this one question, Jesus simultaneously references two truths. That life is short and that worry is a waste of time. You know, there's a little wink and a smile here in the last thing that Jesus says in the statement uh, uh, we read. He said, let tomorrow worry about itself. Uh, and this is a humorous line because tomorrow can't worry. Because tomorrow is a product of imagination. It isn't real. Just like worry is being victimized by something that isn't real. Worry is a waste of time. Worry is a time waster because it brings trouble from a tomorrow that may never happen into a today that could be my last. Life is too short for that. I need to agree with Jesus that there's a brevity to life. And when I do that, it will cause me to really live in the moment. You know, this is a, a second win over worry practical tip. Be present in the present. That's a key way to beat worry. Uh, one of the most damaging effects of worry is that it takes me out of the moment uh, and puts me into a future, you know, that will probably never come. It's negative future that never comes. One of the ways worry steals my joy is by taking me out of the moment. And so Jesus says, don't let worry take you out of the present or you'll miss your kids growing up. Or you'll miss your opportunity for impact in this life. You'll miss your one and only chance to relish the things of life that really matter. Being present in the present. In scientific circles, this is known as mindfulness. Uh, because worry makes it so you can't be mindful in the moment. Uh, for instance, have you ever gotten uh, bad news and then uh, tried to read a book or a magazine and uh, you'll find that you, uh, you're reading and you're reading and uh, after a while you stop and you realize you have no idea what you just read. Uh, because worry takes you out of the moment. Or uh, how many of you had this situation where, you know, uh, you're in a conversation with somebody and they say something that is vaguely 
criticizing of you or uh, some other bad news item. And uh, after the, hearing that bad news, you realize that person has been talking for a long time and you have no idea uh, what they're saying. Now, who's experienced this? Yeah. Uh, who, who hasn't heard a word that I just said? Uh, it's like, who are you? What are you doing up there? Uh, for those of you who just tuned in, uh, I'm talking about <laughs> Jesus' strategy for defeating worry and how it begins with a worldview, a worldview that life is good and that life is short. Uh, until she was taken by cancer some years ago, Irma Bombeck wrote a, uh, a regular newspaper column and uh, scores of light, humorous books. But out of all her writing, one thing she wrote stands out as the most impacting. Uh, after she found out that she had terminal cancer in uh, a short time to live, she wrote a piece entitled, If I Had My Life to Live Over. Here are a few lines. If I had my life to live over, I would have burned the pink candle sculpted like a rose before it melted in storage. I would have invited friends over for dinner even if the carpet wasn't clean. I would have eaten popcorn on the good furniture and worried much less about the mess when someone wanted to light a fire in the fireplace. I would have sat on the lawn with my children and not worried about grass stains. I would have laughed less and cried less while watching TV and laughed more and cried more while watching the beauty of everyday life. If I had my life to live over, when my kids ran to kiss me, I would never have said, later, now go get washed up for dinner. There would have been more, I love yous, and more, I'm sorry's. But mostly, given another shot at life, I would seize every minute, look at it, really see it, really live it, and never let it go. Wise words from a woman who understood that life is precious. Please, don't wait until the end of your life to adopt Jesus' worldview that your life is too short to waste on worry. Finally, let's turn now to the first, really the most important element of Jesus' worldview. A relationship with God overcomes worry with lasting peace. Back to Jesus' words. I, I, I like it how Jesus doesn't say, hey, 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 stop worrying. That doesn't do much good. Uh, instead, Jesus gives me a life-changing concept for overcoming my worries. And Jesus' anti-worry concept can be summarized in one beautiful and shocking word. The word is Father. All the way through this teaching on worry, Jesus refers to the infinite God of the universe as my heavenly Father. You know, up until Jesus, you need to know that no one dared refer to Almighty God as Father. And it was almost scandalous what Jesus was saying, that one could be a loved child of God. 
by God as a father. It was a radical concept. But actually, the shock goes much deeper than that. Because Bible scholars will tell you that the Aramaic word that Jesus used uh, uses here for father is Abba. Abba. Which is the Aramaic word for Swedish rock band. No, it's not. It's a uh, Abba is the Aramaic word that Jesus would have been hearing all around him in the streets there in Jerusalem in the first century. Abba, 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 Abba. It was the Aramaic word for dad or daddy. So Jesus is, uh, is giving us a, a whole different worldview and a God view. Now, with this background, look again at what Jesus says. Your heavenly dad feeds the birds. Are you not much more valuable to him than they? See how the lilies of the field grow. Will not your heavenly dad much more clothe you? Jesus announces a life-changing worldview. Jesus teaches that God's not distant or detached God is like this really involved, super involved, devoted, doting dad who is always watching and caring and providing for his children. And Jesus teaches that experiencing this kind of relationship with God is the key, is the key to winning over worry in life and to a brand new you. So if I'm worried today... It's because I have adopted a, a different worldview or a different God view than the one that Jesus is teaching here. I must choose my worldview. I can choose to believe that this is a chaotic world where birds die meaningless deaths and random circumstances that are out of control. And if I choose this worldview, I will worry. I will worry about my health and about my finances and about my kids and about my relationship and about everything else because I'm on my own. But on the other hand, I can choose to adopt Jesus' Abba worldview. That's why God came in the person of Jesus. Jesus came to make it possible for people like you and people like me to have this kind of a relationship with God. A relationship with God where God is my all-powerful dad and how he cares about every detail of, of my life and your life. Which leads to one more practical win-over-worry tip. Seek. Seek a deeper relationship with God. And this is what Jesus has in mind when he says, Seek. Seek first God's kingdom. And all these other things will be given to you as well. There's no more important tip than this one. I mean, uh, keeping a gratitude journal and keeping your, your mind uh, present in the present. Uh, these are great tips. They're going to help. But, you know, if there's a crisis that comes your way with a kid uh, who's in, a, in trouble... Uh, in, if there's a relationship you have that is falling apart, if you've got serious health or financial crises, <laughs> these two tips are not going to be enough. When crisis comes, the only thing that is going to give me victory over worry, the only thing that's going to save me is the Savior. Only a relationship with God can give you the lasting peace for the worst worries and circumstances in this world. Listen. I'll be honest, I, I struggle with worry. Uh, 
One year ago, uh, this time, I was uh, facing heart surgery. And uh, as the day approached, I just grew more and more apprehensive, partly because as a pastor for 25 years, you know, I've seen a lot of these surgical situations, and I know how, uh, you know, every surgery can have uh, complications. And then, then there were the stories. Uh, several uh, weeks before my heart surgery, I came to you, and I told you that I was having this uh, heart procedure. And so uh, you came up by the scores and scores with your horror stories about how you know somebody who had the exact same surgery and how you're going to miss them and uh, how they're never the same or, you know, and then you skip away and say, but I'll be praying for you. And uh, thanks. After about a hundred of these stories, I started to get a little worried and, uh, and I felt totally out of control. And maybe more than any other time in my life, I really had to face right on the idea of death and that it's real. And anyway, uh, in the midst of this worry, God brought me back to this worldview of Jesus, this, this worldview that changes everything, that because of God's love for me as a dad through Jesus, that I don't have anything to worry about. That God is in control and that He's in control of my life and the circumstances of my life. And uh, I can say that I rolled into that procedure and sure, there was a little nervousness, but I really did experience God's peace. And the strange thing was, in my case, there were complications. And those complications are resolved now. But even before that resolution, I experienced peace that meant that even if it didn't turn out well, and I never improved, that God would still give me that peace because of that dad relationship. And you know what? This is what Jesus wants for you today. In fact, Jesus died on the cross so that you could have this kind of relationship with God that gives you lasting peace for this world and the next. Uh, you know, uh, Les Miserables, before it was a play or a movie, it was a book written by Victor Hugo. And one of the main characters in the story is a young man named Marius. And in the storyline that didn't make it into the play or the movie, we learn that young Marius is bitter against his father who had abandoned him. But this was not the truth. The truth was that due to a strange set of circumstances, uh, Marius's father was prevented by law from revealing his identity and being involved in his son's life and making contact with his son. Later, Marius finds out the truth from an old priest uh, who tells Marius that uh, his father loved him deeply and that his father did the only thing that it was possible for him to do. And that is that he hid in the shadows so that he could be present in every major event in Marius's life because he loved his son so much. And then the priest said that every Sunday when Marius was in church, his father was, unbeknownst to him, sitting a few pews behind him, weeping and weeping and weeping with a broken heart and a longing 
to have that relationship with His child. You know what? Maybe that's true of you today. Maybe you thought that your Heavenly Father was distant or detached or maybe even that He'd abandoned you. But the truth is, He's always been there. He's been there at every event in your life. And He's here right now. And right now, He longs to have that relationship with you. You know, Marius discovered this truth about his father too late. But not for you. It's not too late. Right now, you can reach out to this God who is reaching out to you and receive this relationship that deep down you really long for. The relationship, the only thing, the only relationship that will help you win over worry and will lead you to a brand new you.